Good morning. Well, welcome to Redemption Parker. If you're new here, I don't normally dress like John Parker Gryffindor. <laughs> or a Jedi Knight, but you'll see in a moment, this is Rick's idea. So, uh, now, I, when I was ordained, uh, they did this to me, and uh, I was explaining to Rick the symbolism of a robe and a stole, and you'll hear more about that in a minute. Uh, and I said, so, uh, what do you want to do? Are you are you so Baptist you just want to do jeans and bands uh, like we normally do? Or like no, let's go Jedi Knight, let's go. So that kind of explains what I'm doing here today. But uh, now this is a this is a joy. Uh, this is a privilege for us as a faith family. And if you're just joining us, we're glad that you can uh, sit in on a family time and worship together. Um, when you when you look at the New Testament. We often talk about God as love, um, but specifically, God shows his love in tangible ways, uh, both towards and through the church. And when I say the church, I don't just mean the, the church uh, global, the church uh, international, the church throughout time. I don't just mean that, that he loves the Chinese church and the American church and, and the church in Colorado, that, that's all true, but, but when you kind of get into the letters of the New Testament, God has a particular affection for and love for uh, the local church. When, when you read the language of, of God's affection for the local church, he, he calls it his bride, he calls it his body. And in so doing, he uh, puts uh, specific giftings and, and callings in each local church to perfectly equip them, to mature them in, in their faith and their love for one another and, and on mission. And so right now, at five and a half years as a local church at Redemption Parker, God has uniquely equipped our church with all of you, empowered by the Holy Spirit, the edification and the love of one another. So, so the love, the tangible love of God. Like when you, when you get a, when you're on a meal train and you get a meal from one of your uh, family members in the church, it is God's love uh, feeding you. When, when we are walking in our gifts towards one another, we are experiencing God's love for one another. And when we walk in our gifts, we are on mission together. And so, uh, God has equipped us and, and called us in different ways and. And one of the ways that God loves us is that he, uh, he gives us people that help lead in different areas. And particularly what we're looking at this morning is uh, overseers or elders. And, and Ryan already read that passage. And I want to just spend some time just to kind of think through well, what are, are those qualifications? Well, what is it that we believe as the elders of Redemption Park that, that Rick has, has, has risen to and why is that good news for you and for me? In fact, this passage that, that has already been read and we're going to go through, this isn't really just for elders. It's a picture of for all of us to aim for, to, to shoot for, for Christian maturity. And there, there are areas where we all need to grow, uh, but nevertheless, this is something that we should all be going towards. So as I go through the list, just very quickly, we just ask you, between you and God, to see, is there an area in this list that God would like to develop in my life? in the church. So, let's take some time and just walk through that. There's 14 qualifications of an elder, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3. It says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. 
And so the very first thing we see for a qualification, there has to be some sort of aspiration for it. Well, like, I, I know people that are qualified, but they're like, I, I just don't feel called at this time. There's no aspiration. Now, given our time in which we live and the skepticism towards institutions and, and even authority in our world, uh, you might look at that skeptically and say, uh, well, of course, who doesn't want power and, and authority? But when you dig into the New Testament power and authority, it's an upside-down kind of authority. Matthew 25, 25, Jesus says uh, that the rulers of the world uh, rule over you and exercise authority, but not so with you. If anyone wants to be great, he must become last. The, the, the last shall become first. And, and he says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, the aspiration to eldership is an aspiration to get low, to die, to give away his life for the sake of God's people. So that's the first qualification. It says, therefore, an overseer must be uh, above reproach. This, this just means that there's, there's no sense of, sense of scandal about his life. Not, not that he's a, a perfect man, because we've had no elders, if that was the case, but he is a man who is uh, pursuing Christ. If, if Rick, if any of your neighbors came today, they shouldn't be surprised by you coming up here. There shouldn't be an audible gasp when we say, this person's going to be an elder by church. <laughs> the above reproach. It says the husband's one wife. This just means that he's a one woman man. He has his eyes on his wife. This, this doesn't mean a couple things. It doesn't mean he can't be a single man or Paul who wrote this would be disqualified. It doesn't even mean that he can't be a divorced man. That, that's a case by case basis. But, but that this man is not caught by uh, flirtatiousness uh, with the sisters in the church, but treats them with respect. And as sisters, he's not addicted to pornography. He's devoted to his wife. He's sober-minded. This man can think well. He's not easily swayed. He, 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 knows, uh, he knows how to think well. He knows how to think well about himself. He is sober-minded. He is self-controlled. And a lot of these fall into this actual category. This is not a man dominated by his appetites, though he can have a steak and enjoy it. It's not dominated by his desires, can enjoy a cab or a single malt, but not be dominated by it. This is not a man dominated by money, and we'll see, or, or anything other than Jesus. He is self-controlled, respectable. Again, some of these have echoes of each other, but it respectable also uh, goes down to verse 7. This is moreover, he must be well thought of, out of, well thought of by outsiders. Meaning people should be able to look at his life and uh, insofar as he's following Christ, they should see what it looks like to follow Christ. There's a, a respect inside the family of God and outside the family of God. Again, uh, Rick's neighbor should not be surprised that he's become an elder. When he sees Rick, he should say, man, I don't know if I agree with him on everything, but he's a good dude. And he's probably going to tell me about Jesus, but I'll listen. Because he's respectable. He's hospitable. This is not a male version of Martha Stewart. This is someone who cares about people, who loves both the lost and the family of God, who is uh, willing to uh, enter into their life and want to share life both, uh, in both directions. This is someone who uh, welcomes someone into their home, and when people come into their home, they like to stay. And when they leave, they want to come back. There's a hospitality requirement. That he is able to teach. This is the only one of the 14 
qualifications that is a skill-based qualification. He's able to teach, meaning he can handle the Word of God. He knows the Word of God. He can answer from the Word of God. He's growing in the Word of God, and he has made it his lifelong pursuit to go deeper in the Word of God. He's able to teach. He's not a drunkard. Again, that might sound obvious, but in first century uh, Roman culture, uh, there, there was a lot of drunkenness involved in the, the worship of pagan idols and otherwise, and, and this is someone who is detached from that. And again, he's not mastered by anything other than Jesus. He's not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. Number 10 and 11 go together. This is not a man who is looking for a fight, but a man who's not, who is willing to enter the fight when necessary to protect the flock. Not a man who wants to go to war, but will go to war if necessary. It's not a lover of money. Again, not dominated by anything other than Jesus. He may have money, but he uses his money in such a way to show that Jesus is king and not his bank account statement. There's four. He must manage his own household well. With all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? The proving ground for eldership is a household. And what Paul is saying is, and if the man is not willing to get low in a sacrificial servant kind of leadership, and if you can look at his family and his wife and his children aren't flourishing, he's not qualified to handle the household of God. No, but this, this man is someone who gets low, gets on his knees, gets with his children, serves his wife, helps her flourish in her giftings so that she feels fully alive and gets in his children's life and loves them enough to care for them and discipline them. And when they receive it, they receive it as a good gift. This is a man who cares about his family. Paul's saying, if he cares about his family, then you could probably trust him with the family of God. But if he doesn't, he has no business being in order he must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. This is just a man who knows that he is weak and Jesus is strong. He's learned that over time. He's learned that, uh, that, that, they're, 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 that the swagger has been taken out of him. If it's a new believer, you can still kind of believe in the world's definition of power and authority. And again, this is a, a, an authority, a pursuit, an aspiration to get low to wash feet, to lead the way in going to the very bottom. That takes time. That takes time in following Jesus, and so he can't be a recent convert. And again, must be thought of by, well, by outsiders. Again, this is a picture of Christian maturity. It's not just for elders. This is something that all of us should be aiming for, shooting for. And so again, I would have to just ask between you and the Lord, is there, is there one of those things that God would like to develop in you in this season? The second thing I would ask is just as a reminder of kind of the, the weight and the importance of the local church, would you, in addition to spending time praying for one another in your gospel communities and core groups and all, would you make it an aim at least once a week to pray for your elders? Pray as they study the word, that they would rightly divide it, that they would lead, feed, protect, and guide the flock. Pray for their families. Pray for the integrity of their marriages as the enemy loves to take down entire local churches with the fall of the leaders. So would you just pray for us? Well, with that, 
you want to move on and get a charge. So I'm going to invite the other elders up here, and I'm going to invite Rick to come on up. We're going to do a, a scriptural charge. Then you're going to read. Uh, you're going to make some commitments. I believe Ryan's going to ask you to commit. You have those commitments. Cool. And then you're going to get the rope and the stole. We'll explain that. And your wife will help us with that. And then you'll get your ordination certificate. We'll pray and you can take it from there. Sound good? Okay. Well, I'm going to read from another letter to Timothy as Paul is training this young pastor. He gives him a charge, and I believe the charge is for you as well, Rick. I charge you in the presence of God, of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So we've got some questions, but these are our elder commitments, and then we've got a couple questions for the members of the bench. Yeah, so Rick, do you commit to sacrificially and lo lovingly seek our growth in Christ? Do you commit to provide teaching and counsel from the whole counsel of God's word? Do you commit to walk with us and to help us in times of need? Do you commit to striving to uphold the qualifications of an elder? Do you commit to pray for us regularly? Do you commit to lovingly exercise church discipline when necessary? Do you commit to seeking God's will for our church to the best of your ability in accordance with the scriptures and the leading of the Holy Spirit? Do you commit to set an example in fulfilling the duties of a covenant member of our church? I do. All right, church, questions are for covenant members of RP. Do you affirm Rick's calling and qualifications as an elder of our church? If yes, then say, we will. We will. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, do you commit to love, encourage, support, Pray for and submit to Pastor Rick as a shepherd of our church. This time I'm going to invite Holly to grab the robe and the stole. And as she comes up, actually it takes it takes kind of a minute to get the robe off, so um, it's kind of hot. So good luck with that. <laughs> So this, this particular royal tradition goes back to the Reformation, back to Calvin. As Holly puts on your robe, and as you put it on in future dates, whether, I don't know when. <laughs> I, think, I think we committed to Advent, right? We're going to do some Christmas stuff and maybe Good Friday. Weddings and funerals. When you put that on, 
to be reminded that you are covered in the righteousness of Christ. Wait, hold up on this. When you put this on, you are covered in the righteousness of Christ. When God sees you, he sees his son's righteousness. It's a way of, you are now hidden in Christ. And it's also, a, part of the tradition is that you, uh, it's, a, it's an academic tradition as well. You are committing to scholarship. You're committing to the study of the word of God. That now you put on the skull. Colors mean different things, but for today we'll go with red. The stole is a reminder uh, that you are putting on the yoke of Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It is a yoke, though. You are yoked to Christ. You don't lead yourself. He leads you. And he leads you to death. Death for the sake of these people. So at this time I'll, let, uh, I'll give you an ordination certificate. And on this certificate, there's a little surprise for all the people. Because you probably don't know Rick's full name. Do you have a little pocket on the side of it? Sorry. <laughs> it's old school, I guess. Um, so we're going to ordain Ricky Martin Eisenberg. There you go. Yeah, we uh, thank you for Rick. Thank you for bringing the RP. Thank you for all the gifts that he has. Um, just brought even just so far in the short time he's been with us in this last year and just all the things he stood up God and we just thank for his desire um, to serve you as Mark said get low and just as you read first Timothy and you read these qualifications we read the commitments he's making um, to RP to the church to you it's a it's a tall order God but as Mark said is um, your burden is easy um, and you go his light God so we just pray that he would uh, lean on you, that he would be led by your spirit, God. You would keep him, that he would not be heavy and laid down all the times of the days. Church can um, be a burden, God, that he would just rely on your spirit. Um, he would just trust in you, be with his family, be with all of your kids as they uh, go down this journey with him, God. That this is uh, a family expedition to serve you, God. The whole family is giving their life away. And we thank you that you've called them to this. We thank you for their desire to serve you, their desire to worship you in this way. Uh, just be with them and bless them. And thank you again for being in our Thank you, guys. Thank you, church. The stole just had to be USC Trojan Brothers, huh? <laughs> I get to give a little homily in my new outfit this morning. I'm honored and excited. I'm going to start by sharing just a little bio. Um, when I came to know Christ as a 19-year-old punk from California, um, I couldn't imagine what would 
transpire in these 15 years. I remember like yesterday, walking into the super charismatic, word of faith, mega church that I got saved at. And, 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 and in this particular night, they were having something called the Holy Spirit Lab. Someone jumped on stage and looked right at me and said, Rip, receive this prophecy. I was already freaked out, but I didn't even know what prophecy was. And he said, if God were to show you right now what he has in store for you, you wouldn't be able to comprehend it. Now, whether that was prophecy or what he just read from his fortune cookie at Panda Express, I don't know. <laughs> What I do know is what I was thinking later that night as an impressionable new believer and baseball player. God had given me confirmation. I'm gonna make it to the big shots. <laughs> well, obviously, that didn't happen. But quite frankly, 15 years ago, it really didn't matter what God was going to do. I couldn't even comprehend what had just happened. He saved me. A little bio, I'm a, a BC, a BC, a blessed child. If you don't know what that means, let me explain. You're in for it. I grew up in the Unification Church, also known as the Moons. I grew up being taught that Reverend Sung Young Moon was the Messiah. We called him True Father and his wife True Mother. Like all cults, the Moonies had their book of scripture, the divine principle. And we would literally, as a family, get down on our knees and worship a, a, a portrait of this elderly Korean couple. Some young moon claimed that Jesus wasn't supposed to die. He didn't complete his mission, so he, Mr. Moon, was going to pick up where Jesus left off. One of his ministries included arranged marriages where he would be the divine matchmaker for his followers, his disciples. My mom and dad met at the New Yorker Hotel in Manhattan when Reverend Moon, in a back room, looked at my dad, pointed at him and said, you, and looked at an older lady and said, you. My dad said, Father, I'm too young. <laughs> so he said, okay, son, you, and pointed to my mom. After they got married with 4,000 others at Madison Square Garden, the children of these matched marriages were to be called blessed children, BCs. According to their theology, these kids, including myself, were born without original sin. I remind Holly of my sin. <laughs> Fifteen years ago, in God's gracious sovereignty, he made me a blessed child, a.k.a. a child of wrath, his own beloved son, when he revealed to me my sin and showed me his great love in the gospel, that while I was yet a sinner, Jesus, the Son of God, the one true Messiah, died for me. And this was his mission, and he fulfilled it with his life, his death, his resurrection, and his king-enthroning ascension. Fifteen years later, and I'm still trying to comp comprehend all of this. Incomprehensible, really. For all of us, right? Amazing grace, how sweet 
the sound that saved a wretch like me. But to go back to the spoken word to me that night, if God were to show me what he had in store for me, I would not be able to comprehend it. How much of my journey from that night until today has been one where the Lord has been using every means possible in an attempt to conform me to Christ. And from suffering in its school of affliction to seminary in its school of theology, work, marriage, kids, books, mentors, and of course, the word God and the spiritual disciplines. Obviously, like Mark said, I have not arrived. You have no perfect past in but one Christ. The process of transformation is a lifelong process for all of us, but God has had me on a journey that I could not have comprehended 15 years ago. But today, today especially, if God showed me 15 years ago that I would get privilege to pastor Jesus' body, his bride that he purchased with his own blood in Parker, Colorado, definitely wouldn't have been able to comprehend that. So whether the fortune cookie was right or it was a word of prophecy, I'm extremely grateful and excited to take up this office as one of your elders at Redemption Office. As excited as I am, I don't take this office lightly. My hero, Pastor Paul, in Acts 20, 28 says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseas. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. It is a weighty privilege to be an under-shepherd here at RP, getting to weekly point you to the good shepherd, Jesus, our senior pastor here. And if you love the, the Gospel of John, like many of us do, you'll know that the Apostle John knows a thing or two about joy. John 16, 24 says, Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be complete. John 15, 11 says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. John 17, 13, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. That's why it trips me out when I read in 3 John 4, John say, I have no greater joy, no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And it's John's gospel where we hear Jesus say, I am the way, the truth. So what John is saying is, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in Christ. I praise God and thank y'all for allowing me to enter into this joy-filled office. And that's my pledge, to do everything I can by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to experience this joy. Namely, to see you walking in Christ, being conformed to Christ. One of my favorite theologians calls this Christiformity. Christiformity, this is the goal of my life and the goal of yours, if you're a Christian, to see Christ formed in us by his life, his death, his resurrection and ascension. 
Again, Pastor Paul says it like this in Colossians 1. Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. In another place, Paul says it like this, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in me. By God's grace, this is my aim here at RP. So what does this get low, foot-washing-shaped shepherding look like? What I gather from the New Testament, it will look like listening to, praying with, praying for, preaching Christ from all the scriptures, exhorting, teaching, gospelizing, rebuking, rejoicing with, weeping with, fatherly instruction, motherly care, Christ-like love, being a godly example, spiritual direction, helping to foster a gospel culture, to name a few. Paul gives a great picture of what elder foot washing looks like in 1 Thessalonians when he said, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we care for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. That is my pledge, the gospel of God and my life, with the hope that Christ would be formed in us. Let me pray. Oh Lord, you are merciful. You are the great shepherd of your sheep. You are the great elder brother. You are the senior pastor of this church. And so, God, I pray that you would grow all of us, God, into your son, God. That there would be conformity to Christ that happens in our people, in our town, in our state, in our neighbors would take notice as they see the, the kingdom of heaven on display. Lord, we love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name.